What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to NBA Stories. I'm your host, Nick Nasby. I'm here once again with Mr. Mike Candelora, my co-host. How you doing, Mike? I am fantastic and love the guests we have and looking forward to just breaking down the NBA as per usual. We have a guest today. Mike, do you want to introduce our guest? I'm super excited as well. Yeah, absolutely. So he goes by Genuine Guy on Instagram. One of the best meme pages on on just the worldwide internet as well. Big fan of his. Always gives me a great fa- always gives me a great laugh. Genuine guy, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I'm doing good. How y'all doing, man? Bro, so great to have you, dude. So happy to have you here. And uh, we got a lot of cool topics to go into today. Super stoked to get into it. So first of all, before I go into anything. Like I always like to say, if you like the episode, if you like my voice, if you like Mike's voice, if you like Genuine Guy's voice, whatever, I don't give a shit what you think, leave a five-star review on Apple Pod. Let us know what you think. Keep coming back. Hit that subscribe button so you know every time that we drop. I hope you guys like the bonus stuff that I dropped today or this week. Talked about Darko. Talked about Mike D'Antoni. I mean, keep dropping these for you. Probably like 20-minute long ones randomly released or whatever the case is, just when I fucking feel like it. So that being said, the first thing I wanted to talk about, guys, and it's what I wrote about last in uh, in FromTheStadium.com. So we have a little bit of a problem because, as you know, this Nets team has just been assembled and they're finally healthy. They got a new coach. They got a new assistant coach, two new assistant coaches, all from that Suns roster back way back when and all of a sudden out of nowhere I don't know where this kid does this every time for absolutely no reason Kyrie Irving is coming out and saying he doesn't want to talk to the media he's refusing to talk to the media and why well what's the reason he says they're pawns he says he's not it's not worth talking to pawns and that he's worth more than that so I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this because I think it's absolute bullshit and he keeps doing stuff like this and I'm not too sure why. What do you guys think about this Kyrie thing going on? You know, it's tricky because Kyrie's a guy, very talented, top five point guard in the league, you know, obviously very influential. But when it comes down to it, certain things, you got to know what to say and what not to say. You know what I mean? Especially a guy that already has been coming back. He's come from Boston, that didn't work out the situation in Boston. It's already been a lot of noise regarding um, what why he left with with LeBron from Cleveland to force his way to Boston. Now he's forced his way from a young core nucleus in Boston to Nets, where you have KD that's coming off um, an injury and already a Nets core that's already built together. So when you have a guy that's a superstar, especially that you know the media is going to look at in a high regard, and he's coming out saying these type of things like, I don't want to talk to the media. We don't need a coach. We can coach ourselves. You know, When the guys are saying that type of stuff, I feel like you could be too deep and too fake deep at the same time. You know what I mean? Just go out there and hoop. And especially with the comments, um, even regarding with LeBron saying that he never had a player of that caliber who could hit a shot like that, stuff like that. You know, I feel like at this point, he's just talking with a foot in his mouth. All the time. So it's like this season, and that's the thing, this season, you know, that's where the rubber's going to meet the road. KD's healthy. He's healthy. Obviously, with Giannis signing that extension, that's going to kind of play a factor how are they going to match up? How is Giannis and Drew going to match up with a KD and, and Kyrie? How is the Bucks? You know, so it's 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 a lot. I feel like at this point, 
especially when you're not playing a full season with the Nets, you know, I feel like it's best that you just keep quiet and, and just let your game do, do the talk. Yeah, I got to definitely piggyback off that and agree with you. I just think that Kyrie Irving at this point is a very snobby fucking weirdo, to put it nicely. Because just honestly, with the guy, I mean, from saying the world is flat, now he's segued into the fact that the media is just some chess piece in society. To saying that Steve Nash, that he wasn't going to respect him as a coach, but then backtracked off that after Steve Nash apparently commanded a lot of respect, met with Kyrie one-on-one, and kind of put him in his place from what I've seen and from what I've heard. It's just the fact of the matter is that I think Kyrie Irving is just a very mercurial star. He is a very well more accomplished Stephon Marbury at this stage in, in his life, in my estimation. <laughs> it's just a, it's Ooh, just, dude. It's just the fact that it's just the fact that matter is. Yeah, no. wait a minute. That's rough, man. That's kind of deep. That's, <laughs> Kyrie got some talent. Kyrie got some. We're not gonna front like Kyrie doesn't talent, Ooh. but it's like when you play. Okay, uh, so like, but it's kind of hard. To, to, def- to defend that. I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not saying that Kyrie Irving is Stephon Marbury in terms of talent. Kyrie Irving's much more talented yeah. than Starbury. Let's, let's, yeah. let's put that out in the open. But just to have the same kind of personality issues, and it's the fact of the matter is, if Kyrie Irving wasn't so talented, he'd be like looking for a job. He'd be He'd be in a very different situation than he is right now if he wasn't one of the best scorers and finishers in the NBA. He'd be in China. Definitely. He'd be in China. Yes. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about Kyrie Irving, and you guys can dispute this. He's the best ball handler that I've ever seen, including AI. I'll put that out there. I love AI. AI was my dog growing up, right? Kyrie's a better ball handler than, than him. One of the best finishers at the rim that I've absolutely ever seen. He gets the perfect English off of the basket. Nobody does it like him in the league right now. He's dazzling. He's, he's so much fun to watch. But he is so malignant in, in locker rooms. He absolutely runs himself out of cities. I mean, think about the Nick Saban move he fucking pulled on Boston. He says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Like While he knows for a damn fact he's not coming back. You know, he doesn't think before he talks. And if he does think before he talks, he does it in a way that makes him seem like the villain intentionally. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it, it, at this point, the kid's only 28 years old. Like, he's got time left in the NBA. I absolutely hate the fact that I feel right in saying that this dynamic in, New, in Brooklyn is going to be problematic because Kyrie is relying on Kevin Durant to be fucking mature. Imagine that. If the team's relying on Kevin Durant to be mature and not talk shit and not get angry, that's an issue. So what happens? And especially, especially with him coming off injury too. If, if it's a situation where if he's looking to lean on a Kevin the way he leaned on a LeBron, I mean, it, it's not going to be the same success. And that's, uh, and that's respectfully because Kevin, talented scorer, top, top three player in the league when healthy, but – he doesn't do the same things on the floor LeBron James does. The leadership aspect, the getting guys involved, the off-the-floor aspect. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's why he went to Golden State. You go to a Golden State, you go to a team where that's already established. You have guys that's already locker room guys and Draymond got a leader already a face of the team with Steph. When he was in, when he was in Golden State, we knew that it was Steph Curry's team, but KD is so talented, he was the best player on the team. You know what I mean? 100%. So being in Brooklyn, 
Um, he's he's been able to rehab. We hope we can still see Ke- Kevin at least to at least eighty percent of what he could be. Yeah. But if it's a situation where Kyrie's just looking to come in and piggyback just off of Kevin, and you know what I mean, it's not going to work. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work. In that. Kade, Kyrie left Cleveland for the exact reason as to what he's entering in Brooklyn. Yeah, basically, he left Cleveland to be Brooklyn. the guy. Right, he wanted to be the guy in Boston, and it didn't work. And when he did that, we're all like, okay, I guess he's he's really good. He probably can be a guy you could build around. And then he gets there, and and it's always it's like, okay, actually, never mind. You can't do it because he's he's not a good personality. And like in Boston, you got to be at least a relatively good personality. Now he's going right back into the same circumstances, already having the same type of issues that everybody was worried about him having. And he's and he's teamed up with the greatest scorer, in my opinion, ever. Like Kevin Durant is elite at every aspect of scoring. He is never going to be diminished by Kyrie Irving in the level of what he's he's able to do. He's an elite mid-ranger, elite back to the basket, elite from three, elite driving to the basket, elite from free throw line. All three like, what do you do? Yeah. You can't do anything against him. And I just want to touch upon this. Like, And the crazy part is, all those things are true, and Kyrie Irving's insisting on the IG Live. He insisted on being the top scorer for this team. It, like His ego is almost as fat as James Harden. Is on it's preposterous. <laughs> the guy Yo, James Harden had a good Thanksgiving, bro. He had a good Thanksgiving. That's it. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, and he had a great and he had a, and he had a great time in Atlanta with those strippers too. I Yo, mean, he was getting he's those, like, Yo, he's he like, getting, I was training. I was at training camp. <laughs> yeah, the guy was getting a four for four from Wendy's and jumping over to the next gentleman's club right down the street. Yeah, like, right give give eyes, me a bro. break. <laughs> stripper central. <laughs> Whoo! I couldn't believe that shit. That picture was wild. I mean, I don't know what to, I don't know what to believe anymore, bro. I don't even know. My my entire world is shattered. James Harden, for anybody who doesn't know, there's a picture of him taken. We're recording this on 12:16 on 12:15 literally last night. The picture of him at a preseason game and he shows up in his warm-ups. The man looked like he looked like uh I guess a Santa Claus with a beard. He was fat. That's what we're trying to say. He was fat. He looked like James Harburn and uh <laughs> so, so uh, that's that's interesting, especially with all of the rumors swirling around that. Genuine. Yeah. So with 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 James right now, you know about all the stuff that's going on with him. We talked about it last week, but I kind of want to get your take on it. What do you think is going to happen with James Harden in Houston? You know, everybody's saying that Houston has the leverage because it's like he's under contract for the next couple of years. But I feel like it's gotten to the point where. He's going to diminish his value. You're going to have to move him regardless. They don't have any assets to turn the team around to fit a, the new type of style that they're trying to do. When Daryl Morey was there and, and Dan Tony was there, they decided to go three ball. You know, we're going to space the floor. We're going to just shoot threes. And I think the dumbest thing ever was when they traded Capella because that automatically took you out of contending with the, the Denver Nuggets, the Jazzes of the West, and the, the Lakers of the West. You don't have bigs. You don't have any bigs. You know what I mean? So... I feel like now, moving forward, you already had Chris Paul. You already ran through Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook's gone. You have John Wall, who's coming off an injury, and Boogie as well. But I feel like it's not enough to compete in the West. And on top of that, I just don't see the Nets gutting their team and giving up the assets that's gonna that Houston's going to require for a talent like James Harden. Unless Houston decides that, you know, we're just going to send you anywhere where I get the best deal where we get the most assets, but I, I just don't see them doing that unless a Kyrie is involved in, in those talks. You cannot give up James Harden and not get a 
a perennial all-star bet. And that's exactly think- my that's exactly the point I was making last week. So think about this. I had it into three different segments, right? There's three things that need to happen in order for a team to land James Harden. They need to have a star. You cannot you cannot get rid, rid of James Harden for fucking pieces. There's no way they'll do it. Number 2, they need to have a movable star. Right, so you think about some of these stars in the league, but there's some that are untouchable. Zion, yeah, ja, yeah. Luca, untouchable. You're not never going to get those guys, right? And you need to get somebody in that to be able to actually justify getting get you know getting rid of James Harden. And number three, you have to have a place where he's willing to go. And so he's not yeah. going to go to he's not going to fucking go to Minnesota, even though Cat's definitely available. They could definitely get Cat in that trade. He's never going to go to Minneapolis. Think about Sacramento. They could give him Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley, but he's not going to Sacramento. There's no way he'd that, do that. Yeah. So in my opinion, because still Kyrie's part of the plan, I don't think that he's, they're going to get rid of Kyrie because he's crazy as fuck, but they, he, he's part of that structure, especially with a new coach. They brought Steve Nash in assumptively to work with Kyrie in his system, right? Mm-hmm. So the only team, in my opinion – and we talked about this last week too, Mike. But the only team, in my opinion, that has all three of those check boxes checked off is Philly. Because I believe, truly believe, that Ben Simmons is movable. One. Two, contender. Because now they have all of these other pieces. They have Maury. They have, they have Doc Rivers. And they have Joel Embiid to build around. Mm-hmm. Number two. Number three, it's Philly. You want to go to Philly. That's a, that's a place where he would play. So I believe that what's going to genuinely happen is that they're going to request a trade straight up because exactly like you said, his value has diminished already. It's not it's not going to diminish. It's already dropped because every other team knows Once that this is a disgruntled. Already dropped. Once he's right. in Brooklyn, every other team's like, well, why why am I going to give up three, four, five picks, or why am I going to give up this this much and he's not going to want to be, he's going to be just as disgruntled. And we're not even going to be, and most likely the teams that could trade for him, they're not even going to be better than how the Houston Rockets are currently constructed already. So it's like, absolutely. No, absolutely. And I just want to touch, I just want to interject. I, this is good. Let's bring this full circle. So with Kyrie Irving causing all this locker room dissension, being called out like as a questionable teammate, being called out as a questionable character, do we potentially see a Kyrie Irving for James Harden swap? And here's why. Because the, you know, the OKC connection. Harden and Durant have always gotten along. They've always been genuine to each other. They loved each other. Even when um, KD went to Golden State and one of the most snake-ass moves of all time, James Harden defended him for it. Yeah. James Harden was the staunchest supporter of it. He, from a, like one of the other like superstars in the NBA saying that he understood it. And that he even said, he alluded... I don't hate that because it might be something I have to do later in my career. I just think that team would have so much more chemistry if they were able to dump Kyrie for Harden. And they could probably even get a pick out of Houston for it due to the fact that Kyrie's younger. The attitude, the attitude adjust like switch for that is so minimal that it's almost it's almost like laughable. It's like hard Harden Harden is his own type. He's like a, he's not fun for to play with for people. Like nobody wants to play with James Harden. He's amazing, scores a bunch, but like you're gonna be standing around on offense for like ninety percent of the fucking game. I mean, I mean that's jumping. obviously high. The other side is, I mean, Houston. Think about that swap though, because they're getting a point guard for Harden. They already have John Wall, and they already. What so happens to Wall now? And nobody right. already wants Wall, so. And Wall's gonna get mad because now he's like, okay, you just got me. I'm supposed like I know what I can do, 
And I, by the way, you see him in the preseason. John Wall's back. It's he's fucking yeah, good. He he's still good. good. He looks it's good. Bullshit. He looks good. We'll go into it later. Absolute bullshit what ESPN pulled to him. So John Wall's on this team. Boogie, I'm still I'm not willing to get rid of my hope that Boogie comes back. <laughs> I'm unwilling to because he was so fucking fun to watch. Every game with Boogie was so much fun. And like his now three point shooting looks so good. He looks like a sniper from three. And people have been talking about it. He looks dynamic. I mean, he he's shooting 68% from three-point line in the preseason <laughs> off 10 attempts. I mean, Wild. he's a volume three-point shooter now at 6'11". <laughs> Definitely. He's always been a good shooter. I mean, he's just got better. You know, so, so so that's the other thing. So I personally think this the Sixers trade is the only one that's genuinely viable. Whether or not it happens before the season starts, I doubt it at this point. If it was going to happen, I feel like it would have happened by now. But before the trade deadline, he's definitely going to be out of Houston, in my opinion. And uh, I, I, I don't see them to Brooklyn. trade Harden so fast, though. That's the I mean, not Harden, uh, Westbrook, Westbrook so fast. Yeah, they traded him. So, yeah. So and you got point guard for point guard. It wasn't like you traded him for a wing or. So it's like now, if they're trying to make that move for, let's say they make that move and get Ben, where do you move Ben now? Is Ben point forward? Do you do you keep Wall? Like, how does that look? Well, that's the I thing. Think you you just, play Ben off ball. Yeah, this is why I want to go back to my point that I think trading Kyrie for Kyrie would be ideal because Kyrie, while he is short and he is a point guard, he plays more like a shooting guard. I mean, the guy doesn't really generate that high volume of assist. I think him and Walk can coexist because I think Kyrie would act as more of an undersized shooting guard. In the NBA world now, where size is kind of just illiterate, where people love playing these 6'9", 6'8", small ball lineups, shoot a ton of threes, get up and down the court, and Kyrie can do all those things, and he can be a guy that can take the ball handling pressure off John Wall. If you get Ben Simmons for Harden, then you have a non-shooter in your lineup in Simmons. You have a John Wall who's a very, at best, inconsistent three-point shooter. Yeah. And, like, it's just, in my estimation, I think the best fit if Houston wants to maintain their identity of winning now would be getting Kyrie Irving and that's a guy that they can build on and potentially win an NBA championship and the and the Nets they just it's a lateral move except that they have better locker room chemistry now and I think that Harden and KD would coexist so well under Steve Nash oh yeah oh yeah I think I think a Harden and um if you have a Harden and a KD connection I think that could I think that could potentially take out the Lakers. That's that exactly, yeah. and that's why I think that would be the best move. And I think that's a move that the Rockets should be gunning for. And I wouldn't be afraid to give up a first round pick. I mean, Harden's thirty one years old, and Kyrie Irving's twenty eight. You get three years younger for a guy that puts up damn near similar scoring numbers, and he could be a guy that you could build on for his next couple prime years. Yeah, exactly. And they already have Dinwiddie. They have Levert. They have guys that if Kyrie was the move, you could plug Dinwiddie at the at the one. Exactly. But, but and also exactly. to yeah, add on to that, you could instead of giving up a pick, you could also throw in like a one of those guys if they're yeah. if they try to pull leverage stuff. But so I mean that I I agree. I don't know how much Houston would want Kyrie though, just because of the locker room shit. I don't know. I feel like he's he's not as sought after anymore. I feel like any GM would look at this kid. And be like, if this kid's wearing 
my jersey and saying shit like this, it makes us all look so bad. Right now, it makes the team look bad in Brooklyn. It makes him look unstable because he's unstable. So like any other team sees that from a pure business standpoint, that has to be something they pay attention to, right? I agree. But this is where it goes back to Harden. I mean, yeah, that's all true for Kyrie, but isn't it less any less true for Harden? A guy that just literally said, I want out of Houston by making a public demonstration of going to Atlanta and going to strip clubs and going to Lil Baby's party impromptu concert and instead going to training camp. I mean, that just shows a lack of organizational respect. And I think that Houston would be wise to trade Harden as of right now for Kyrie. That way they can gain some respect back. And Kyrie, they can handle Kyrie's issues because I think him and Harden kind of have the same type of attitude when they're in situations they don't want to be in. And I think Kyrie would be a much better, not much better, but I think Kyrie would be happier in Houston because then he'd feel like that's his team and he's the guy, which I think that's what he needs. And Harden would be back with KD, a familiar face, a guy that he loves. And I think they would coexist extremely well in terms of on and off the court as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's a good point. So, okay. So, Going into, we're talking about guys who are terrible for locker rooms, so let's go into somebody who is very good for a locker room, or at least has been in his career, and that is uh, one Giannis Antetokounmpo, who, by the way, David Stern said his name right at the draft. I don't know if you guys knew that. Really fucking hard. Took me like two years to get it, but he got it right away. (laughs) Signed a five-year, what was it, five-year 228 extension? Yeah. With the Milwaukee Bucks to stay in Milwaukee. Uh, Some reason he wants to live in Milwaukee. I guess the $228 million price tag helped in that sense. But uh, I mean, a lot of PlayStations. Yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) Maybe I wonder if him and his brothers have joint bank accounts like the Morris twins. This is a lot of money that they're doling out. They had to, obviously. It's not surprising to anybody that they paid him this. He has been very good in the regular season for the past three or four years, but it just feels like in the playoffs, he doesn't have it. And it's not necessarily all him. I understand that Budenholzer has a lot to do with this. He doesn't use him the way that I think he should use him. He's an NBA coach, but whatever. I'm just some guy. Uh, But I think I know how to use Giannis better than the coach. Uh, And so my thing is with this new construction, Drew Holiday, et cetera, all the pieces that they got, the people who they lost. Do you genuinely think that this Bucks team will break through and finally make it to a finals this year? It's got to be this year, you know, or else we're going to start talking. But like next year, this year, next year, do you think the Bucks have what it takes to get there? I can see them taking out Boston, but I just don't see them getting past the Nets. They can take out. I feel like they would match up well with the Nets if it was an early playoff series, like early first round maybe second round because, you know, the Nets are still getting together. But if the Nets win one or two series and then they match up in the conference finals, I'm taking Kevin Durant. <laughs> I'm taking Kevin Durant over Giannis. With adding Drew, you add two-way on the perimeter. You know, that's a legitimately one-two punch. They, obviously, they had Middleton, but you have that one-two Drew Giannis. I feel Drew and Giannis, that's kind of similar to that AD and Drew combination. It'll get you to the playoffs. It's just now, how is his game going to be able to take everybody else's game to another level in the playoffs? Because playoff is going to slow down. You're not going to get as many dunks, fast break points. 
and everything, and everything's so keyed in. He's not a player where I can see someone giving the ball and it's like, break that guy down and give me a bucket. Whether it's a step back to, can you get me a three? Are you going to draw a foul? I need to get him on a post-up situation. I need to get him quick going to the basket. And playoff basketball is kind of tough. You can send help. You know, you can organize a different strategy to kind of stop that type of game. So I feel like what's really holding him back is, is he able to take his game to that next level? Is he going to be able to be a scorer when there's a guy like a Bam waiting in the paint for him? Is he going to be able to take a, take that step out and hit those shots consecutively? And that's really going to tell. But I think Drew's going to be able to keep the offense flowing, but it's not the same. It's not going to be – it really comes down to Giannis. Is he going to take that next step in his perimeter game? Nah, I definitely no. agree with all what you just said to T. I know you guys like. I know you guys are both from New York, so I'm gonna give a little bit Knicks comparison here. But when the Knicks in the '90s were this dominant, were this like dominant playoff contender, and then Patrick Ewing needed a new contract, a guy that was one of the best players in the NBA, Mm -hmm. the Knicks weren't thrifty, gave him the contract, the money he wanted. And the Knicks, as we know, didn't win an NBA Finals during the time that he was there or in the recent past, to to put it nicely. And the fact of the matter is, I just see, I think the Bucs had to do this for a small market team to keep their talent in-house, especially. Of course. But I just don't see them getting over the hump by doing this because they're basically betting on a nucleus they have already. And that's proven over the last couple of years to fail. And while adding Drew Holiday's nice, I just don't see that putting him over the edge of They're like of Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's just the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of things to go the Bucks way to get to a championship and to even win NBA finals. They need a couple upsets to help them along the way, and they need just hot three point shooting and you know, that comes and goes all the time. And they need Giannis to be a guy to not only facilitate, but to be able to hit a decent amount of outside jumpers and three-pointers. And that's been a shaky bet over the last couple of years. Have you ever seen a, a, a superstar MVP caliber player with a more glaring flaw than Giannis Antetokounmpo? No. It, it's it's <laughs> so obvious. He can't – Here's and here's the thing, guys – Giannis Antetokounmpo off the catch and shoot is not a bad three point shooter. He averaged thirty six percent off catch and shoots last year. People don't know that. Now, off of the dribble, he averaged twenty eight percent, and that's significantly more of his three points. That's a huge drop. And, yeah, but it's, and, it's, and, it, and here's the thing, genuinely. Here's the here's the here's the, here's the biggest part of it. It's about two thirds of his threes. And that's the thing. So like the, the catch and shoot is about a third of his threes, yeah. right? That's that, and so Drew is going to be a big piece, in my opinion. If they can keep the ball out of Giannis's hands and let him work off the ball, they don't do that enough, in my opinion. Like they, they have him work because he's so good at getting to the basket. He's so long. He, if he makes one move, he's already at the basket. It's too late to stop him. That's great for sixty wins in a season, in an eighty-two game season, of course. That's great for a one seed in the East. But if you're playing the same team in the best of seven, they'll figure that shit out. Kawhi did it. Last year, the 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 it was the Heat, right? The Heat beat him. Yes, the, the Heat, heat knocked him out. Bam, Bam had Bam had him locked, bro. Bam had him fucking. Bam had locked. him locked, and Jimmy was not. Yeah. <laughs> and if you, that's the thing, because if it's if it's the same team for that many times, they'll figure your ass out. One time is fine, 
but seven consecutive or six or whatever the series goes, they'll figure it out. That's how the NBA works. So I think that they need to figure out a way to get the ball out of his hands and let him work off the ball because God damn, if that guy gets open, what are you going to do? Get a momentum without the ball in his hands. There's so much more you can do with Giannis. And I don't think that Budenholzer is the guy there anymore. I really don't know. Like, if you win a bunch of games in the regular season, which, like, Budenholzer is, the, is such a great regular season coach, but, like, goddamn, is he not the worst playoff coach for a one season? He's a bad playoff coach. Jesus Christ. Like, he, with the Hawks, the Hawks went, six, what, 60, 60 and 22 or some shit like that? Yeah. And then just, like, yes. got they got wrecked in the playoffs. Like, nobody even – they didn't even bat an eye at that great team – in the regular season, and then in the playoffs, they sucked. And that's Budenholzer, man. He doesn't have it. They're LBJ's doormat. LBJ's door. Like LBJ <laughs> well, took I mean, off his Tims. And, nah, LeBron, yeah. <laughs> and, and literally swept his Tims and spit on the doormat of the Atlanta Hawks during that series. The Hawks got yeah. better. So I th- here's the thing. I think the Hawks, even a team that young, they're still, they're still a top four, top five team this year. I would give him. I'd give him six. So we went. We actually went through this last week. So I'm glad you brought that up because I love the Hawks, but I think there's too much gridlock at their two and threes right now. I, I don't know how it's going to work out. I give them a six because the East sucks. Six or seven because the East sucks, and like they're going to lose first round, but it's going to be some good potential for Trey to get. And Mike thinks oh, they yeah. suck at defense. <laughs> I felt. I, I, <laughs> Defensively, they may not be the best team, but yeah, I feel but like put it nicely, the, especially yeah. with the way the game the game is becoming a less defensive a, a less defensive game, and I feel like that's why you, when you have teams like the Clippers, the teams like the Lakers, teams like like the Bucks, why they're so successful is that when you could buckle down, you could buckle down and get a stop. You know what I mean? But on the offensive end, but I mentioned the Bucks, but on the offensive end, when it's time to turn up. See how the Bucks they're not going to find success because Giannis, he lacks certain things in his offensive game. But when you have a LeBron James and when you have a Steph Curry, when you have a Kevin Durant, when you have these type of players who they're able to, all right, let's hold it down defensively. But then when we're able to go and get the offensive end, they're able to make yeah. those crunch time buckets and stuff. So I I don't know, man. It's going it's to be a tough – the East has definitely got better. I think the East is, is, is very respectable this year. But if that two through – Four spot is very, it could it could be a fight. It could be a I fight. Hey, how much do you love Mitchell Robinson? By the way, I just want to I just want to ask him. Oh, he's nice, nice young. young is it, he's like my he's my dog, bro. He's my favorite guy. In the he's team. probably second best player on the Knicks, beside behind um probably third best player behind uh-huh. um RJ and Obi. Even the rook, the rookies is probably like the second <laughs> best player on the team right now. Obi needs to shoot better. <laughs> I love I love Obi, but he needs to shoot, bro. That those videos are very embarrassing. Oh, yeah. At least you're not a Sixers fan and have a mercurial point guard who could be one of literally the best players of all time if he decides to like himself a coconut and start shooting jumpers. But or or just like yeah, just keep. And that's the thing. Ben improving doesn't even shoot. It's so it's so maddening. Like it makes you want to put my head through a fucking wall, dude. It's that's so the problem. Ba- it's so bad. He doesn't even try. Yeah, that's we were talking about this too. It's like he if he tried, he he probably could get better, but he doesn't even try. He doesn't even try and practice because everybody's videotaping this shit. And they're like, look, Ben Simmons shot a three. And everyone freaks out. And then he's like, I don't want that attention. And he stops, you know? It's it's so consistent. Okay, so I brought that up about Mitchell because I'm I'm scrolling through this top one hundred. I wanted to talk about this top one hundred. It's like the main thing I wanted to talk about today. 
Because, I mean, Mike, we talked about it. Genuine, you probably agree with us. Uh, it sucks like a fat donkey dick. It's so bad. ESPN does this every year. They did it with football. Now they're doing it with basketball. It's like they want people to get angry. I think they honestly do it on purpose so people get mad. People. Right. They want people to do exactly what we're going to do. So I'm going to feed into the drones at Disney and uh, and talk about their bullshit. So I think that there's three categories here. There's someone who's either either overrated, there's somebody who is underrated, or there's somebody who is just fucking disrespected. How do you want do you want to do it so like I ask you what you think their rank is if you don't know already? And then I'll tell you. Yeah, sure. Let's go, yeah. You like that? I think that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Okay. First up, John Wall. Genuine, what do you think John Wall's ranked on this? Late seventies, maybe eighties. Wow. It's actually um, really accurate. He was ranked he was ranked at eighty one. To me, absolutely fucking disrespectful to John Wall. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. I understand. The kid hasn't played a full season in two years. I get it. He's always he's he's got consistent injury issues. But to put him behind the likes of uh Josh Richardson, put him behind Dennis Schroeder. KCP. I love Dennis Schroeder. KCP. Like get the there's so many names I can throw out here to tell you who's ahead of 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 John Wall. It's it's almost I mean it's laughable that they considered him this it's bad. historical, honestly. Yeah. PJ Aaron Gordon's Tucker. ahead of him. Dude, they literally have Duncan Robinson. P PJ Tucker Turner. who's on his team. And the reason why they only have fucking PJ Tucker is because he's a sneakerhead and gets clout. And that's the only reason why. ESPN is just like ESPN is just like any thirsty broad on social media nowadays. Where's Lamelo right? He's, he's not there. Luckily, they Lonzo they avoided is. rookies. <laughs> yeah, Alonzo is, but they have to because he's a ball. Okay, so John Wall's disrespected. I am. They. I mean, they don't care because they're just talking heads at this point. But I can't wait because I feel like a lot of people are on this on this mentality that John Wall's gone. And we were just talking about it before. His first step is still right there. So I'm super excited to see yeah, that. He's still, he's still going to be a, a, uh, an 18 and, and, and 11 guy, 18 and 12 guy. He definitely he's still be. going to be able to be a star type of player. And that's the thing. With the Western Conference, the, the guard position is so deep. You know what I mean? You, you have a guy averaging 20, 25, but then you'll have three, four other guys that was going to outbeat him. Because their team is winning. It's tough. Definitely tough. Okay, so talking about Western Conference point guards, here's one that you guys actually might dispute a little bit. Uh, Mike Conley. Where do you think Mike Conley is on this? I feel like... I just feel like the Jazz isn't using him right, but even if they were, he's still not... I don't think he's that great. Okay. They're probably going to have him in the 60s. I can see, them, see him in the 60s, but... Personally, they have him at, at 71. Per, yeah. So you, you're really close. Yeah. I, I personally think he's underrated. That's me. Nah. I man. think that he is underrated at 71. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll explain. Mike Conley has been one of the most consistent point guards in the NBA since he was, since he was drafted in 2005. And I, I hesitate to say it because, yes, he's had injury issues. Yes, he's been in bad markets. He's been in Memphis for how long? You know, and then he goes to Salt Lake City. But if you want to look at some numbers from him, just three years ago, 2016, 2017, 20 points. He averaged 20 and six. 
after that, he's 17 and four. You know, his, his assist numbers are always relatively how, low. How is that any better than Kyle Lowry? No, oh, it's not better than Kyle Lowry, but look how much higher Kyle Lowry is. That's what I'm saying. At 71, you know what I mean? Like, Kyle Lowry is higher because his teams win. Mike Conley's always been stuck in these markets of like four or five seeds. That, that, that don't do anything in the playoffs. And I think that it has a lot to, to say about him. I don't think he's super underrated. I just think that he should be about like five or six, maybe seven higher. Yeah, probably. I feel like the thing is with a point guard like him, like especially past his prime, like he's great, but he doesn't do anything that actually stands out. Exactly. Like Westbrook, you know he's still athletic. Or Steph Curry, you know he's a sniper. Or Dame, you know he's a like. He's just well-rounded all over. Decent defender or a pretty average good defender. He's not much of a scorer, but he can score, can facilitate. But especially with the way the Jazz is constructed, Donovan Mitchell is so ball-dominant that you, what kind of guard do you put him next to him? Do you put a scoring guard? Do you put a guard that's just straight playmaking? Like, how do you match up his backcourt? Like, what kind of player do you put in the backcourt? Because he's so talented. No, exactly. Like, Mike Conley is like the Honda Civic of NBA point guards. He, he'll get you where you need to go. He's very just, like, bland. But he, he's productive, and he lasts, so, he, he can last you a long time. And He'll get, it, he'll get the job done. Exactly, exactly. He's no Lamborghini. But he's no like Chevy that's gonna die off in like fucking ten thousand miles. He's gonna be just, he's gonna last you for a long time. He I think he's like appropriately ranked. I think he's slightly underrated, more so than I would like. Like OG Anobi being better than him, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's, that's the that's the name that ridiculous. pissed me off. When see a lot that's of these well, names I didn't think they were underrated until I saw them and I saw who was after him. And actually the next guy I wanted to talk about is that for me. You guys might dis- disagree because he is so hurt all the time. I know. I get it. So you, you can yell at me all you want. But Blake Griffin, I'm just going to say it. He's at 65. And I, while I don't think he's insanely over underrated here, I do believe he should be ahead of Kevin Love. I think Blake Griffin should be ahead of Kevin Love, especially because they put Kevin Love literally one before him. I, it's the rebounding that, that, that's really putting Kevin above him. You know what I mean? Okay. Kevin can shoot. Obviously, he could space the floor, but I feel like Blake is able to do so. Blake can I can legitimately trust Blake with the ball in his hand to 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 at least do something to make a play or to not bring the ball up, but you know what I mean. At least he'll face you up. Kevin's not a face you up type of center. He'll back you down, pick and pop. You know what I mean? Well, he was. I mean, he was for a long time, but now he's he's skinny and he shoots threes in, in Cleveland. You know. Like that's basically all he does. He's now. a corner yeah. three guy, and what I the the reason why I thought this is because I look at Blake's last healthy season. Right, obviously it's hard to say like, oh well, if he gets healthy again because he's never fucking been healthy. But his last healthy season was in Detroit. It was the first full season in Detroit. He played seventy five games and he averaged twenty five oh, yes, yes, and seven and a half. Boards. And that was just two years ago. He was That's 2018, 2019, bro. You know what I mean? That's not that long ago. And he did it with a completely different con- construct of his game. He is a pick and pop guy now. He's shooting threes. He's shooting mid rangers. He doesn't explode the way he used to because his knees are fucked. But like, he's able to. He's still, still explosive, dude. That's what I'm saying. He's that. He's severely underrated on this list. I mean, they have guys like not even touching on. 
Kevin Love because that's that's kind of a debate. But Davis Bertans ahead of him. <laughs> they have like Marcus Smart way ahead of him. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, they have some really questionable guys. I mean, MPJ, I love his potential, but like MPJ played what fifteen games last year. Are we really gonna give MPJ the benefit of a doubt that he's so good? Yeah, like come on. It's just the fact of the matter is that I think Blake Griffin is a lot better, and if he was healthy. And I know that's a huge if, but if he was even on a better team around him, what is Detroit even doing? Exactly, that's <laughs> yeah, the thing, dude. and that's and and in that you spent market, the last three weeks talking about how shitty great. that market's been, <laughs> how shitty they've yeah. been in the in the off season. It's the worst city <laughs> to live in in the world. Let's put let's put let's put in perspective. Yeah. It's the worst place in the United. It's pretty bad to live there in the United States. No shout out to people that live in Detroit. If you guys are listening from there, I'm very sorry. No, probably, no, 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 no. There's no fence around the city. You could leave. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just the fact of the matter is, if he was in a better market with better teammates around him, I think Blake Griffin would be much higher on this list. And I just think that's a real disrespectful blow up, Blake Griffin. Putting a guy in Davis Bertans ahead of him who literally just had a breakout season last year, but other than that has been a bench player his whole career. I think just because he got paid. I feel like that's why he got paid. Okay, so here's here's one. D'Lo, point guard of the... the Timberwolves, D'Angelo Russell. Where do you think he he would be on this? I feel like he's trending upward, probably top forty. Okay, he's a uh, 69th. 69. Bullshit. Yeah. That's you know who they put ahead of him. OG Ananube is the first one ahead of him. Then they put Eric Bledsoe at sixty-seven. So D'Lo is behind Eric Bledsoe, which to nah. me is an absolute tragedy. That's just one where they. That's just one where they're like, "Fuck your, fuck your market. We don't care about you anymore." We don't care. I feel like what it is, son, like he he was just getting consistent before Brooklyn moved him to Golden State. Then Golden State moved him again. So I feel like him being Minnesota, if he can get at least because when did he go to Minnesota? Like halfway through the season? Like right around like, right before the trade deadline they moved him. That way they exactly. yeah, that way they just uh, wash their hands and rebuild for next year. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like them starting training camp with him there. You know, obviously with Cat got a lot going on, but him being him and Cat being together from the beginning of training camp, that's the thing. I think like a lot of people under, underrate the value of training camp and mm-hmm. those beginning. Periods. You know what I mean? Because when you're in the season, you're going from city to city, playing game to game. It's kind of like even some people who play intramural basketball, like you can play basketball against certain three, four different teams, but if one of your players miss one game or two games. That's not the same as those players who've been there from the first game. You know what I mean? On the first day when the team was constructed and y'all t- had those talks before the first game and all that stuff. So I feel like him being there and them actually giving him the keys, like, okay, you're going to be the guard play. You're going to hold down. And then him having Rubio behind him is definitely going to help. You know, having a veteran point guard that can facilitate and stuff when he's off the floor. But I feel like him, he's going to be trending upwards this season. I don't think he'll be an all-star just off the strength that the West is so deep. But it just depends on their ranking. So I wanted that's why I wanted to ask you guys, what do you see the, the top eight teams in each conference looking Okay. That's a good uh, one. I actually have it so, written down. Let me pull it up. So I'll start since Nick's trying to look for what he has down. But I think the top eight teams, if I had to give my prediction of what the conferences are gonna look like. So here's mine. I'm going to say to start off that I as the one seed in the in the West I'm going to go with the LA Lakers again. I think they retooled enough 
And also, I think that they have enough guys on that team now that are going to actually care about the regular season and be yeah. such a force. I mean, adding Dennis Schroeder, adding a Marcus Saul, who's going to be a good locker room presence, a That's good veteran great. presence. At, at the emergence of THT, Taylor Horton Tucker, who's looked fantastic in the preseason. I think they're going to be a bona fide one seed. I think this year they insert their dominance. Um, my two seed in the West will come a little bit of a shocker, but I love the Denver Nuggets. I love what they did. I think Nikola Jokic is a sleeper MVP candidate this year. Uh, I like how they drafted. Also, I just love the fact that I like their development. I mean, Jamal Murray really broke out in the bubble, and so did MPJ. And while I'm discounting the bubble just slightly, I think that's going to be a huge momentum boost for them to build on. The three seed, I'm going to go with the Clippers because I think they're just too talented to be there, even though with the load management of Kawhi, I think they're just too talented to be anything lower than that. My four seed... This is where it gets interesting. So my four seed, it, this is tough. I'm probably going to go with the Dallas Mavericks just because I think they build. I think Luka Doncic just takes over as usual like last year. And I just think that having that talent, as we've seen in the East with Milwaukee, I think as Luka Doncic has, I think he could just will a team to 40-something to 50-something wins in this season. Oh, yeah. So, and with Chris Sassi on the shelf a little bit, that does concern me, but I think they get healthy in time, and I think they have a really strong finish end of the year. Uh, my fifth seed, I like Portland. I'm a big Portland guy this year. After what mm-hmm. they did in the offseason, they, they're one of the more complete teams in the NBA. And I think this. I think, I think Portland's a very sleeper team. I feel like they're Western Conference bound. Yeah, Western Conference bound. They can make a run. I mean, depending on where they end in this puzzle. And the crazy part about the West is, from seeds two to seven, I only see like a five game separation between the second seed and the seventh seed. Like it's going to be. It's extreme. always fucking like that too. Yeah, it's, it's like gonna be ex- it's gonna be extremely competitive. So give me the Blazers as the five seed. I'm looking at the sixth seed right now. I'm going to go with this is t- I'm gonna go with Utah. I just think that Utah is gonna be just solid. They're a good regular season team, great coaching. They have the same nucleus as last year. I like what they're doing with that squad. Uh the seventh seed, I'm gonna go with the Phoenix Suns because after the offseason they had acquiring the point guard. I think they could be a very dangerous team, and they're going to be a very extremely dangerous seventh seed. They can make a upset of the Denver Nuggets. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And the eighth seed to round it out, I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors. I just think Steph Curry comes back with vengeance. They get in there as the eighth seed. Then how about that as a first-round matchup? Steph Curry and the Warriors versus LeBron James and the LA Lakers. What a first-round series. Dude, we a, we actually we have almost the exact same. I have, I go Lakers, Nuggets, Clips, Blazers at four, Mavs at five, Jazz at six, seven Suns, eight Warriors. Did you say that? I basically said That's that like, you just flip flop Portland and um. The yeah, Mavs. we have almost the same. And then at nine, I have the Grizzlies. Like the first team out, I have Memphis. I think Memphis could actually vie for one of those last two. They might they might take it from somebody. Because I feel like they've been gelling enough. They've been on the team. Those guys have been on the teams for long enough. But yeah, I, I think that that's that's that makes sense on that side. Who do you have in the What's East? That? Okay, uh, for the East, 
this is what I got. So the one seed I think against gonna be the Bucks because I think they're gonna be another dominant regular season team. I just don't know how that'll show up in the playoffs. We'll see. That'll rear its ugly head. The two seed, I'm gonna go with the Boston Celtics, and here's why. I think they just have the most continuity coming back in a year where COVID's affecting training camp. As genuine guys said, training camps are almost important. And with COVID affecting the timeline with that, I think they come in the season with more continuity. They're extremely well coached at Brad Stevens and hard coached. I like what they're doing there. The three seed, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers. Might be a little bit biased. Oof. But I just like what they're doing. Very I think wrong. they I think they grow as a team. Okay, as wrong as I may be. I think they grow as a team. I like Doc Rivers. I like what they, the team they're assembling around Simmons and Embiid. I think they'll do really well in the West in the Eastern Conference in the regular season. The four seed, I'm going to go with the Brooklyn Nets. But they're my pick to gal the East, spoiler alert, because I think the Brooklyn Nets are just not going to care about the regular season as much. Kyrie and Katie are going to both take some games off to tend their injuries, load their work, their management. And also, it's going to take time for them to gel as a collective unit. And with the new coach, it's going to take some time to get used to each other. But I think they write the ship and they have a similar kind of sentence of heat had in 2010-2011 when they got together and then eventually lost to the Dallas Mavericks. The five seed, I'm going to go with, hmm, this is tough. But if I had to go with the five seed, I'd probably go with the Raptors just because I think, again, great regular season team, good coach. I like the program that's going on there. I think they'll just be a team that doesn't really move the needle. I'm going to go with the Heat at the sixth seed, and I know that's a huge drop from last year, but I think the Heat, are going to kind of have water find its level again. But I think the Heat are a team that could really make a difficult time in the playoffs and are going to be extremely tough out. The seventh seed, I'm going to go with the Indiana Pacers. And then the last seed to make it will be the Atlanta Hawks for me at the eighth spot. So I have some different ones. So first of all, the disrespect on the Heat Get the fuck out of here with that nonsense. The Heat <laughs> were one of the best teams in the East during the entire season. They they went to the bubble and just proved everybody wrong consistently time after time after time after time. They're going to win a bunch of games this year. I have the Bucks at one also. I have the Celtics at two also. I put the, the Heat at three. And as much as I shit on you for the Sixers, I put them at four. Uh, I have the Nets at, at five, the Raptors at six. I have the Pacers at seven, and then I have the Hawks at eight. And I had the Wizards just missing. So relatively similar, but I think either one could happen. The The East is much better, by the way. Yeah. When I was doing this, the East is definitely has it. This is so ridiculous. I even have to say this. That it has a potential to actually have all eight teams being over 500 for once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thought? You know? <laughs> When the fuck? When's the last time that happened? I don't think that's ever happened. I was watching the the Last Dance again, and they were talking about the 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 Bulls when they went to the when they went to the playoffs the first time with Jordan against Larry in that crazy series when he went off, and he uh, what was it? He they were they won like thirty five games and went to the playoffs. So it's been like this in the East for a while. <laughs> this isn't new. just to say the least. Yeah. So. All right, let's pivot. Genuine, who do you have in the East and West? East and West. Uh, I'll start with the East. Uh, number one, 
surprisingly, I'm gonna go with the Nets. You know that that may be a stretch, but I just think they already have a lot of continuity. And um, when you add a player like Kevin Durant, who's not not a ball stopper, you can plug him in many different positions, three or four, maybe even five if they want to go small, scorer. You know what I mean? I just feel like what he brings to the table yeah. is just going to bolster what they do. Second, um, I have Milwaukee. I don't think they're going to be chasing the number one seed anymore. Um, I feel like at this point, Giannis is, in, is recognizing like, yo, it's either championship or bust for me. There's no number one seed, no MVP. You know, none of that stuff is really going to matter. So I feel like they're going to be more or less trying to work out those kinks. How is Drew going to be handling the ball at the end of the games? How are we going to have Giannis involved? You know what I mean? So I feel like a lot of teams, they've gotten better, but they also don't look at their record to see them get better. Try to look at how they're playing and how they're they're executing. You know what I mean? Because this, this season is definitely going to be definitely going to be a different one. It's not going to be like the bubble, but, you know, just with everything going on. So I have Nets, Milwaukee. Um, third, I'm probably going to go with Boston. You know, they're, they're the most young, promising. That's the thing. Boston's that team that's young, but they're in position to win. You know what I mean? They're not a young team learning. I feel like they're, they've they been through enough learning to, learning curves and stuff. So I feel like them adding Tristan and adding a Jeff Teague off the bench, that's going to be big for them. That's going to add those spots where a lot of times, um, who's their center? Thais, you know, the He's, Tristan Thompson is going to be a way bigger upgrade than that. You know what I mean? And Marcus already plays the two guards sometimes. And Kemba be wishy-washy. So when you have a Teague that can come in and not have to worry about carrying a team, just put a couple of bucks it, buckets up, keep keep the second unit flowing, I feel like that's going to be big for them. Sleeper team, I'm going to go with Miami at four. But then I'm also going to say the Magic at five. Don't sleep on the Magic. I feel like... Um, Aaron, Eric Gordon's development is continuing to get better. Um, they obviously drafted um, Cole Anthony with, um, with that lottery pick. But I feel like just they, they, the pieces that they have, I feel like they're, they're one of those young, exciting teams that can sneak up. You know, I feel like a lot of times I've watched a couple of their games. They were, they're, they're, they're one of those teams that can stay in the game. And if you sleep on them, they'll take those take those games through. So I'll say the magic. Um, shit. Wizards with Russ and, and Bill, I just feel like their wing positions, they're not as strong to keep up with the Milwaukee's and the the Nets of the conference. You know what I mean? I feel like they don't have those, that wing depth to guard those type of players. So what is that, six? And the last two, tough. I'm going to have to go with – I feel like the Hornets could make the playoffs. Ooh, don't sleep on that's, 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 that's Hot take alert. I, I think woo, the Hornets woo, could woo. make it. I, obviously, like obviously, Gord, like Gordon Haywood is not that superstar player, but I feel like with this He's definitely got no knees, East, bro. He's got no knees. You know, when you're in the East, anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like KG. And, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know who's gonna get that HC. What about Indiana? Indiana. I, I feel, like, I feel like the Boston fucked up by not trading Hayward to Indiana and getting Miles. I feel like that's gonna mm-hmm. hurt them. Yeah, you know what I mean. You would have had that. You would have legitimately had a legitimate big five that you could throw out there and start and hold up against like DeAndre and like Jared Allen. But I feel like Tristan Thompson's okay, but I just feel like they were trying to be too greedy and they missed out on the opportunity to actually get better. Typical, because you know I mean? now you what's injured now. Yeah, typical Denny Ainge for the Western Conference. I will say Lakers number one. 
Clippers number two. You still got Denver there. Four, I would say Portland. Don't sleep on Portland, though. I feel like Portland's definitely going to be there. Definitely have, I want to say Memphis, but I think JJJ, I think he's still injured in the beginning of the season, right? Yeah, he's going to be out um, for a while. Yeah, he's going to be out for a while. So I, And I don't think they added anybody really that that's going to really push them forward. So I think Memphis is going to miss the playoffs again this year. Um, I think the Pelicans got potential. Stan Van Gundy, definitely a good coach. Zion won't be on minutes restriction, so I feel like that's definitely going to help them. And they do have Steven Adams. It's just, I don't know, it's going to come down to whether Lonzo's going to develop. He's a good point guard, but at the end of the game, are, are your top guys going to be on the floor at the end of the game? You know what I mean? Is Zion going to be on the floor at the end of the game? Is Obviously, Ingram's going to be there because Ingram can get a bucket, but is Lonzo going to be there? He's not a bet- great shooter, so I feel like Lonzo, his development is going to be big for them. I want to say the Spurs, but... Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, now, I'm a, look, I'm a Spurs fan. Like, like I, Sixers are, like, one of my favorite teams. I'm from the Philadelphia area. Like, that's one of my – I have to always reform. They're my East team. But my favorite team, regardless, like, all hands down, San Antonio. And I don't envision us having a playoff berth. It's so bad. And I love Popovich, but the team around that is just not talented enough. I hate to say it. Yeah, I, I don't think DeMar could take them to that level. DeMar is not that guy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> DeMar is not that guy. He's a great number two, number three even. But, not, three. but not, yeah. no, he can't be the number one option. And LaMarcus Aldridge is old. I just think this is move him this offseason. It's tough because this contract, he's getting paid like $24 million this year. I mean, he's getting paid like a max level deal. And no one wants to invest in that as like a 36-year-old guy who can at best shoot mid-range jumpers. Like his game's yeah. dead in the NBA. I hate to be like that, but Yeah. I'll throw the jazz in there at um okay. five. Um I like the Suns. I'll I'll definitely say the Suns. Pick. Dallas definitely. I don't know. Here's the thing. I think I think Houston. I feel like the Warriors can make the playoffs because obviously you have Steph Curry. It's just I don't want to rank them too low. I don't think they're gonna be like a bottom of the conference team though. I feel like they can because between three and seven, it's gonna probably be separated by one or two games. But I feel like Steph would be able to put them in position to be probably like a five seed. Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree. I can agree. I get behind that for sure. I I just feel like with what they have, especially with like Draymond and and having like um, Kelly Oubre, you have Wiggins, you have Wiseman and all that stuff. For their best interest, I just don't see them trying to match up with like the Lakers or the Clippers early. You know, you know that middle of the season part, like okay, we need to win this many games so we could be here. Here, I just don't see them making that bottom of the conference. The Warriors are going to surprise a lot of people because there's there's they still have the majority of their nucleus they're just missing clay yeah. i mean that's such a huge that's such a huge loss you know clay thompson can't you can't replace him with just one person but now we have that's new pieces so i mean people replace. and people forget about eric pascal who was like their guy last year you know and like he's he's still there he's still he's gonna still have right, right, right he's still doing yeah. like a lot of big shit like he could play four you know, then put Wiseman at five, maybe come bring him off the bench, maybe put Draymond at three, put Wiggins at two, Steph at the point. I mean, there's so many things you can do there. You can never sleep on Steve Kerr as a coach. He does he does it so well. They're an organically grown team. Before KD got there, they were completely organic. And so they are they're gonna be able to do it again. Their front office clearly knows knows how to get it done. So so I think the Warriors have a good a good shot at being like a five six. You know, yeah. if, with even without Clay, and I and I actually put down, and I believe this, 
Steph Curry, very good shot to be a first team All NBA again. I think, yeah. I think he can do 100%. it again. Oh yeah, of course. They just sleep on him. Everyone just sleeps on him. It's hilarious because it's like you all slept on him he in like 2015 too. So easier for everybody. So watch out for Wiggins having a career year. And why? Agreed. Why he could actually win Rookie of the Year? To be honest, it's it's a possibility. No, I. That's I a great. That's a great bet, especially for a guy that's going to be on probably the most winning team out of the whole like lottery. I mean, he can easily definitely win that rookie of the year because he's going to win so many more games and he's going to be in such a prominent role. Like LaMelo Ball is going to be in a prominent role, but that's going to be for a Hornets team that is going to be maybe average at best, if not below average. And then if you look at the other rookies, like Anthony Edwards is intriguing, but we no one sees the Timberwolves really competing to win meaningful games. Exactly. So, Which is funny, I, by the way, because think about it, because if Edwards is good and D'Lo is good, and Rubio plays well, and Cat's good. Like that team should be pretty good, <laughs> but they're not. Yeah. Like we all know, they're going to suck anyway. Because they can't play defense. I mean, for Christ, for Christ's sake, they have to score. They don't, don't want to play defense. No, they have to score 140 points a game to win the basketball game, which is just unsustainable. <laughs> like, come on. I like those those one to eights, though. I, I agree with that. Genuine. I want to hear your top tens. Top ten players. Top ten players. And uh, just so you know, I'll, I'll I'll break them down for you what they are on ESPN. Right? They have Jokic at ten, they have Harden at nine, they have Steph Curry at eight, they have Dame at seven, KD at at six, Kawhi at five, uh, Luca at four, Giannis, AD, and then LeBron. Year eighteen, still the best player in the league. Still Fucking the best crazy. player. And it's by a long shot, too. Yeah, it's not That's close. It's, it's, getting, it's, not, it's getting even wider, by the way. People would try to say that Kevin Durant may be the best player or he's close. But it's it, it's not just the score. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Kevin can score, but it's like LeBron can control the tempo of a game for 48 minutes. The fact that you can have the ball in your hand, make, make plays for others, get others involved. All right, let's slow down the game. We're not going to go this fast. We're going to move this slow. Or speed it up and we just get into open court and move. I feel like I feel like that's just so slept on. Because it's like you can play playoff bat. You can play that playoff brand basketball any time of the season. Or you can just speed it up and play fast. I, I just feel like his versatility as a player, that's just – it's unmatched. You know what I mean? I feel also, like – Also, lock down your best player. Locked, exactly. And especially at a late – Block a shot. Um, I agree with AD being two because AD he did prove himself this year. Um, I feel like Luke is a little bit high, a little bit high. Uh, who was three? It was Giannis. 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 It was Giannis, Luca, and then who was five? Five KD. was Kawhi. Kawhi. Kawhi, and then Katie's at six. Kawhi's at five. I'll swap Katie with Kawhi, but I just but then at the same time I feel like Steph and um, Hart is a little too far back towards the end of the list. But I can see why they're that far back. You know what I mean? It's just everybody that's closer to the front of the list. I don't want to say directly as two way players, but I just feel like their impact on the game is just so much more. And at the end, like I feel like Jokic is solid at ten. I don't have a problem with Jokic at ten. Um, I just think if well Curry wasn't playing, he was injured most of last year too. So I, you know, what I mean, you can you can see why he's so far back. But I just feel like Luca being in the top five so early. I feel like after this season, then it'll be like legitimate. Like okay, yeah, Luka. I think that Luca's got a good case for MVP this year, and I say that because yeah, well, it's because it's the MVP just like the Heisman in college basketball is like a story award. 
right? So like, yeah. think about the like the last few ones. That's when I got that couple of seasons. It's like, okay, you're good. You're in the running for MVP this year, right? Well, because I mean, think about yeah. the stories, right? The last the Giannis, this like kid comes up, and now all of a sudden he's on the best team. The Bucks are all of a sudden the best team in the East. Blah blah blah. He's the MVP, right? Before yeah. that, James Harden got snubbed three straight years. This is his year. Look at the numbers. He's putting up 36 a game. When's the last time we saw this? Probably not since Jordan, blah, blah, blah. He gets the yeah. MVP. Year before that, Russ, triple-double. Never saw it before. This is since you know since Oscar. No one's ever done this. He gets. He's clearly the MVP. Before that, unanimous for Steph. Steph gets it again. This kid's changing the game. You know, it's like a story, right? And so the next yeah. story that's the best story is Luka Doncic. And so because of that, even though LeBron James should win the MVP almost every fucking year, he doesn't because they have to give it to other people. <laughs> like, that's the NBA we live in. LeBron's the most valuable player. Like, that's just how it is. You put LeBron on a team and their win shares goes up by 20. Look how, how much the Lakers suck before LeBron. Now they have LeBron. Now they're very good. Look how yeah. good the Cavs were with LeBron. Now they don't have LeBron. They're the biggest basement dwellers in the entire league. Constant. You know? <laughs> He 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 is he's so valuable that he destroys and creates franchises. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> I I wouldn't even sleep on I on Damian Lillard as an MVP pick. I don't know. I, I he needs like, he needs uh, more recognition. I think it's it, unfortunately more, his mar- his market is the reason why he doesn't get it because people don't watch the West market as much. You know, we're all on the yeah. Eastern coast. I. I'm not staying up till 1.30 to watch the end of a Dame game. I'm not watching just, a Blazers game at 12. Right. <laughs> I'm just not into it. You know, it's, it's too late for me. I'm old. I can't handle it. Okay, so so that, so that your top 10, you're saying you'd swap, put you'd put Katie at five, swatch, swap him for Kawhi. You'd probably move up Steph a little bit. Uh, I'll you think Luca's a little bit Steph. too. I feel like Luca. I'll probably, I'll move Steph up where Luca is, but I wouldn't want Luca to be close to like eight and seven. So I don't know. I feel like Ka- I feel like Kawhi is is closer to ten than closer than Ooh, closer to one. Interesting. That's that's my opinion. I think I, like Kawhi. I, I could I could see it. Definitely. I mean, last year Kawhi fell off in terms of his notoriety just because he was on the Clippers with Paul George instead of being like the guy who carried his team to the finals. You know, like, I think the, the expectation was different for him. Like last, like when he went to Toronto, it wasn't expected for them to win. So it's like when he snapped and like everything he did was like, oh wow, he's actually. He could stay, you know. I feel like now, last year, it was like, oh, you guys are supposed to win the title. So the fact that they didn't win it, the expectation, you're going to expect them to be a title or bus player 72, 82 games of the year. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough, man. Top 10s are hard because there's so many names that you want to put in there, but there's only 10, you know. So it's there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. I, I agree with you on some, on most of this stuff. I think LeBron's clearly the number one. You know, it's further it's further than it used to be five yeah. years ago because all of these guys who who get, who come in get to their apex and then like a normal human being start to deteriorate because they're normal human beings. You know, they all came and went, and now LeBron's still there. So <laughs> LeBron's still the best player. LeBron. You know, he just doesn't get hurt. He's just healthy all the time, and he doesn't he doesn't miss a beat. So LeBron at one. I'll I'll be straight up with you. I love Anthony Davis. I really do. But I'm putting Giannis at two. I just I can't. Yeah. I know there's a glaring flaw in his game. I understand it. But when he is running the offense, and when he is you know when he's on, and everything is clicking for him, 
What he's doing is so predictable, but you still can't fucking do anything about it. No, we all know what he's going to do, but you cannot stop it. So what do you do? He's the defensive player of the year. I I think AD honestly should have gotten it, but whatever. Giannis got it. But so like, he's so long. He's so good on both ends. He can guard like one to five at this point. He, he, there's so many things about Giannis. I got to put him number two. AD's a close third. And I think that those roles will switch by the end of the season uh, because AD is about to explode this year. I think that AD's should be, he'll, he'll probably be in the consideration for MVP this year. Uh, big probably, time. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like whether this eight, it doesn't even matter what AD's rank is as long as he's the first big man on the list. Correct. The yeah, like, that's Yoke, fair. Yoke that's is supposed to be on the list, but as long as he's the first big man, then you can debate whether it's Jokic or Embiid. You know, once upon a time it was a Demarcus Cousins, but I just feel like I um, wish fucking love Demarcus. You could put all these other plays, but when it comes to the big men, AD has to be the first big man on that list when it comes to those top top positions. You know, I'm keeping I'm keeping Luke at four. I I love his game. I really think that the only thing that needs to be done is defense and he's got the size to be able to play defense. So he just has to learn it. You know, the only yeah. the thing that sucks about someone like this is like some blue chipper is that he is so good that he never has to get better or he feel he might feel like he never has to get better. And that's a problem. That's like a Ben Simmons thing where it's like he's always been so good that he knows how good he is and it's like he doesn't he doesn't actively strive to improve. Uh, the way that you see like a grinded out guy like Jimmy Butler do it, you know, so that's an issue that I'm concerned about with Luca. He's young, you know, he's still super young. So let's see if he can get that better. But there's so many things to his game that are just like instinct. You cannot teach the things that Luca does. You cannot teach it. You have to be born with it. He's got it probably better than anybody I've ever seen since bird. So five, I'm putting Dame because I love Damien. And I think that there is no better score in the NBA when they are on fire, then Damian Lillard, a close second in that equation, is number six. Who is number six right now in KD? I'm putting Kevin Durant at six. Uh, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Steph up one at seven because, like you, I cannot I can't really see Steph being in the eight to ten range. I think he's got to be top seven. Uh, at eight, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop Kawhi to eight. I'm gonna put I'm gonna keep Harden at nine. But I'm gonna do a flip. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna put Jokic at nine. I'm gonna put Embiid at ten. I'm dropping Harden out of the top ten. Wow. I know. I know. It's crazy. It's an, it's insanity. But I need I need Embiid in that top ten. I need Jokic in that top ten. And I think the only name on this that I can actively say can in this season drop off of that top ten is James Harden. Okay. Who's the Who's the next five then? Next After five. 10. Okay. So the next five that they have is kind of shitty because they have Tatum at 11. They have Jimmy Butler at 12. They have Bam at 13 for some fucking reason. They have Joel at 14. So they have Bam ahead of Joel Embiid. Then they have Chris Paul at 15, which I actually agree with. Uh, So my next five, 11 immediately putting Harden there. I would say at 12, oh boy, there's some names here that I like. At 12, I honestly... I don't I don't actually hate the Jimmy Butler pick at 12 because of how he was in the playoffs. He is clearly the focal piece of this Heat team that is a championship caliber team. So I think it's only fair that you put him in the top 12. So I, I put him at 12 there. Uh, 13, 13 up on Chris Paul. 
because okay. Chris Paul Chris Paul elevated his game somehow this year. He got better. I don't know how that happened. And he's going to be on a team with so many more tools. And I think that that has to be said. 14, if we're talking about the upcoming year, I'm putting uh, I'm putting Book because he's got Chris Paul. Yeah. And then at 15, uh, I think that it's it, he has to be in the top 15, even though I'm very critical of his game. Uh, I'm putting Ben Simmons at 15. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna break down my top ten, or like I'll go into my top fifteen real quick since we want we want to expand to the um the last five the <laughs> five on the outside. So my number one is LeBron James because I mean it's pretty simple. He somehow in year two thousand of his career dominated, looked rejuvenated on the court last year somehow, and he absolutely is the apex predator in the NBA. Number two, I'm going to agree with Nick. I'm going to put Giannis up there. And I'm going to put Giannis because I think he's the closest thing to LeBron in terms of similarities in their game and how he can elevate the players around him. He just has to get that playoff monkey off his back. And I think eventually he can eclipse a number one. Not like in within the next couple of years, but it's going to take some time with him getting the monkey off his back. Number three... I'm going to put Luka Doncic at number three, and I know that wow. seems ra- um, that seems radical, okay. but Luka Doncic last year almost willed the Mavericks to beat a Clippers team that was ranked that was looked at before they obviously choked the Denver and blew a three-one lead. But they were looked at as the second best clear-cut team in the NBA. And in his first playoff action, willed his team to two wins and arguably could have won the series if Chris Ops doesn't go down with injury. It's very interesting. I think Luka Doncic we're going to see just take even another step forward because it seems like with every game he finds something new to get better at. And he's been apparently working on his three-point three shooting. And if he can hit that a high 38% to like 40% clip, I mean, how do you stop the guy then? I mean, you can't even stop him now. If he starts becoming a sniper from three that he's capable of, I mean, he's a top three talent in the NBA. Number four, I'm going to put Anthony Davis because he's clear and far away the best big man in basketball. He's the best co-star LeBron James has had. Maybe, like You could argue D-Wade, but I think AD is the best talented co-star LeBron James has had. And without him last year, that Lakers team would have been a completely different story. You even saw it. I mean, yeah, the Lakers retooled, but from 2018 to 2018-2019, Lakers missed the playoffs. LeBron James was playing time, but overall they missed the playoffs. But then 2019-2020, they dominated the NBA. So he's a top four player. And I'm going to agree with both you guys. I think Kawhi is a little overrated, so I'm going to go Kevin Durant at five. Steph at six, I'm going to go Dame at seven, Kawhi at eight, because I think Kawhi's under those two point guards because it's just how much time he takes off. I know that's a little, you know, out there, but I mean, my opinion is the best ability is availability. And Kawhi at times has missed a lot of games, and we don't know if his health is sustainable. Not saying Steph is the most, like, Iron Man in the world, but... Kawhi has taken games off, and that's a hurt his team seeding. His teams that hurt last year because 
again, they got matched up with the Nuggets, and if he played more games and didn't take that load manager off, who knows? He could be talking about a completely different story on this podcast. Uh, then number, so I'm at nine. I'm cool. Number nine, I'm going to go James Harden. And number 10, oh, I'm going to go Nikola Jokic because I just like what Jokic does. Both players are just great all-around players. Other than Harden and Jokic, defensively, a little bit of a question mark. But I like what they do, and I think they're just so dominant offensively. They have to be in the top 10. Then 11, I'm going to go Joel Embiid. I, he's the second-best center in the NBA. Guy is the best two-way center in the NBA. He's just a, such a physical freak of nature. You got to put him 11. 12th, I go Jimmy because he was the leader of that team that challenged the Lakers in the finals and ran through the East. You got, I love Jimmy Butler's game. 13, I go Jason Tatum because I think Tatum, as we've seen, is ready to take that next step into superstardom. And he's such a dynamic scorer. He's similar to Kevin Durant. And apparently, he's grown to 6'10 now where he can shoot the outside jumper, drive to the net, Effortless three, um, free throw shooter. He's such a good player offensively. You got to give him his respect. 14, I go Chris Paul. I love Chris Paul's game. I think that, as we said, I mean, he took a Thunder team last year that, let me ask you guys, did you guys think before last year, heading into last year's season, do you think the Thunder were making the playoffs? Because Basement. I sure did it. Basement. Yeah. The roster was atrocious. There's no way. I, Chris Paul he, did it. Yeah, exactly. And genuinely, you agree with that? Like, did you see the Thunder like being as good as they were last year with all those holes? A very sleeper team, and and especially um, having those many because they had Schroeder and Shy and everything. I didn't expect them to be have that much success, but they were able to just surprise a lot of teams, and you know they were very deep. Exactly, and it, it's just a thing of Chris Paul elevating the players around him so he still has that and I think you gotta give the point god his due and I think 14's a very good fit and then I'm gonna agree with Nick I think Ben Simmons at 15 is an extremely fair ranking for a guy that even his, as his game's flawed he's a walking triple double and he has so much more of a higher ceiling I mean by the end of this year if Simmons can somehow surprise us, and apparently with all the rave reviews, I know this, We stop me if you heard this before, but Doc Rivers has been given all these rave reviews about Simmons in practice. I mean, he could potentially crack the top 10 if he takes the steps he can within his game. I think 15 is a good ranking for now, but I think it will be temporary because I see him taking a huge jump this year as well. To be honest, I, I honestly forgot about Jason Tatum in my top 15. I would probably switch him out with Book. Just saying. I just forgot. <laughs> for anybody who's listening who's like why the fuck didn't you have tatum i forgot sorry i don't like the celtics <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck likes the celtics are than racist dudes anyway yeah it's true <laughs> Bo- boston's pretty gnarly like that bro <laughs> i didn't realize how bad boston was but it's dude, like it's goddamn it's bad you like dude go to go to bruins game for the amount of shit oh, they said. Oh, hard R's. Hard R's all day. Dude. It's That's all, all they dude, do. It's awful. Like, dude, I felt I Wayne would... Simmons went there and like got chewed out by the fans there. They were calling him every name in the book for yeah, nothing ex- just because he, exactly. he won. Yeah. 
I mean, like, if I had a dime for every racist remark that's came out of Boston in the last five years, I would be a millionaire with a yacht. You'd be be rich enough to live in Boston. Yeah, I'd be. (laughs) Let me tell you. Wait, tell you, I would be probably as fat as James Harden with the amount of lobster and meat and steak I could eat if I had a dime for every time they said something racist out of Boston. James Harden arteries. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I can't believe how fat he got, bro. You can't fake that, dude. There's no way. No. Like, that's, just, that's just him now. This is how he is. He's always been kind of like that, though. Guy has an ideal dad bod. Ideal dad anyway, bod. I think... The last thing that I want to say about this is that they put Russell Westbrook at 36 on this list, um, so they can rightfully suck my dick on that one. That's a, that's a, so bad. I can't even stand it. it. Makes me so mad that they even thought that that was that was okay. So Russell Westbrook's at 36. Fuck ESPN. Fuck Disney. Fuck Walt <laughs> Disney. I guess he was a piece He's of shit. <laughs> Just yeah. the biggest clout chasers ever created. Put it that way. That's all they do. I mean, that's that's it for me, you guys. Mike, do you have anything to report? Nothing on my end. Just was psyched to do this episode. Genuine, the, the caption king. Thanks for joining us, and no, it was an awesome episode. Thank you, everybody. Go follow yeah. Genuine Guy on Instagram. It's a great meme genuine account. Guy on Instagram, Genuine Guy Two on Instagram. Um, I appreciate you guys having me talking these sports, man. This is definitely some fun. Definitely let, your, fr- definitely let your friends know, genuine guy. Let your friends know, bro. Yeah, this bro. The, we're going to be the top sports show in the fucking nation in a couple, I don't know, days, whatever, weeks. <laughs> no problem. I'm definitely going to share it on the page and let everybody, you know, take a listen and, and check you guys out. This is definitely fun. Definitely My dog. Fun. I'll get this up probably a couple days. And until then, everybody, if you are not ugly, stay beautiful. And I'll talk to you next yeah. week. All right. Peace out, guys.